As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, this is Justin Galetti of Sonic Scoop, and today we're going to be talking all about mid-side processing. I just got a really great question about this via email, and I've been meaning to answer more questions on the podcast. In fact, I think I'd love to start doing a weekly Q&A episode. Are you down? Would you join me weekly to do some live Q&A? Shoot me an email at podcast at sonicscoop.com if you're interested in that idea, or let me know about any comments down below. But for right now, mid-side processing... Let's get into it. What is mid-side processing? Not just what is it, but how would you use it? And even more importantly, why? What would you be looking to achieve with something like mid-side processing in your record making? Well, for those of you who are not too familiar with it, it is fairly simple. Mid-side processing means affecting the center of a stereo track separately from the sides of that stereo track, or affecting the sides separately from the center. Giving you a little bit of an idea of how that works on a technical level, like under the hood of a plug-in or hardware device that can do mid-side processing, would be a little bit beyond the scope of this particular podcast. But think of it as an alternative to your two other standard approaches to stereo processing, one of them being linked stereo, right, where you might have a, say, a compressor that's compressing both sides the same, or multiple mono, where you might have a compressor compressing the left and right channels independently, or say maybe you're applying an EQ to one side that's different than the EQ on the other side. So this is a third approach. You got One, your link stereo doing the same thing to both sides. You got two, your multiple mono where you'd apply slightly different effects to left and right. And you've got your mid-side processing where you take a stereo track and you separate out the center of the track and affect that, EQ that without affecting the sides. Compress the sides without compressing the center or with applying two different compressors, one on the mid, one on the side, two different EQs, one on the sides, one on the mid. I think you get the idea. So why would you use this kind of processing? Well, it's most essential in mastering, but there might also be some other applications for it in mixing in some circumstances. And I'll try to give you a couple of ideas on that. Before we do, a big shout out to our sponsors who include you for smashing the like button. And the sooner you smash the like button, the sooner that I will be done with our sponsor shout out section. But I'm going to keep it super brief either way. Oh, you smashed it already? Okay, I'll make it really fast. Okay, so big shout out to Gear Club, one of my other favorite podcasts out there. Great for producer engineer interviews. Check them out, gear-club.net. That's gear-club.net. Or type in Gear Club wherever you get your podcasts. 
Great one to awesome producer engineers, Stu Lerman and John Agnello hosting that one. Also, big shout out to Sound Toys, making some of my favorite plugins out there. Trout anything they make for free at soundtoys.com. Last but not least, you, like I said, go ahead and smash that like button if you haven't already, because you know we're going to do some good stuff today on Midside Processing. Let's get right into it. All right, Midside Processing. I am most likely to use this type of processing, like I said, in mastering, where I want additional control over the stereo files that I'm given. There are some cases in mastering where I'll get stems. Even in stems, when I have, say, the bass separated from the guitars, separated from the vocals, mid-side processing could still be useful. But it's especially useful when I have a stereo track that I want to master, that I want to put my final sweetening on, where I want to be able to isolate things better than I can with just a stereo track. I'll give you a few common scenarios for where I might use mid-side processing in mastering, and then we'll get into the potential mixing applications. Although, like I said, there's somewhat fewer of them. The big thing is, if I want to get a lot of precision, I'll often accompany my mid-side processing with a special kind of band limited EQ or compressor, like a dynamic EQ or a multiband compressor. One great example here is a de-esser. You may have heard that mastering engineers will sometimes use de-essers in mastering. They can be useful for taming overly sibilant vocals, but also useful for taming overly sibilant acoustic guitars, over sibilant cymbals, you know, cymbals with too much high end going on. But you may want to control some of the excess high end on a vocal without upsetting the cymbals or the acoustic guitars. Well, good thing here, the vocal is usually going to be panned dead center in most cases, especially if it's a bright and somewhat sibilant vocal. Those acoustic guitars or those cymbals might be panned left to right. So if instead of using a regular deesser, I use one that has mid-side capabilities, I could just DS the mid-channel and not DS the side. So I'm getting rid of some of the sibilance on that vocal without messing up my cymbals, without messing up my hard pan acoustic guitars. Or vice versa. Maybe I'm looking to control some of that excess high shimmery stuff on these acoustic guitars. They're disproportionately bright. The transients are too fast compared to the rest of the stuff going on in the record. And the mixing engineer was listening on speakers that don't have as good transient response as mine. And I can hear that, hey, on really quick transient speakers, you're going to hear these acoustic guitars popping out more than you meant for them to. So I want to control those. So I'll maybe put a de-esser or it could be a multiband compressor or a dynamic EQ targeting those high frequencies to just bring down the really sharp front-end transients of those side hard-pan acoustic guitars without messing with the clarity on the vocal in the center. You can also do this kind of thing in the low end. And again, some of my favorite places to use this would be with something like a dynamic EQ or a multiband compressor that's going to give me even more fine resolution over what I can do with the master here. So perhaps there's an overabundance of one area on the bass guitar, say in between 100 and 200 hertz. And I want to add some additional control to that area so it doesn't get out of hand in that area. So maybe I'm using a dynamic EQ or a multiband compressor there so I can 
control that bass without affecting the kick drum too much and without affecting stuff above it. But I can zero in even more. That bass guitar or bass synth or whatever it is that has that problem is likely something that's panned just dead center. So I can add that dynamic EQ, multiband compressor, giving me additional control of that one element without messing with any of the thicker, lush stuff on the sides. Sometimes I'll get a mix where, you know, an electric guitar, an acoustic guitar, a synth that's panned hard left or hard right has too much bottom end. And it's kind of getting in the way of things. It's kind of masking other things in the mix. And I want to start to control some of the 100 hertz, 200 hertz, 300 hertz, whatever it is in that element on the sides, but without messing with the bass and the kick that are right down the center. Again, mid-side processing could allow me to do this by allowing me to target just the sides without touching the mids. There's so many applications. This can happen in the mid-range too. Maybe there's an electric guitar that has this annoying thing going on around 1K. Or maybe it needs to have more 1K brought out of it to kind of push it forward, and it's happening on the sides. I can use a mid-side processor to bring up or bring down 1K without messing with 1K in the center, where I might make the vocal kind of annoying and honky and that kind of thing. So all of these kinds of things can be done with mid-side processing. Wait, you might say, Justin, why wouldn't you just use left-right processing? If there's an annoying electric guitar on one side that needs, you know, it's 1K brought down, or a lifeless electric guitar that needs some upper mid-range brought out of it, why not just EQ that one side? You said the problem's on the left side, let's just EQ the left side and leave the right side alone. Why wouldn't we do that? Well, you could do that, and that might be the best answer in certain cases. But it might not be the best answer in every case. Here's one problem. If you just EQ the left side, you're going to be EQing anything that's panned down the center as well in the left side. So imagine for a second that the only thing you have in this particular mix is a vocal. If you were to bring down 1K on the left side only, you're going to bring down 1K on that centered vocal just on the left side. And now all of a sudden that centered vocal is going to start to lean a little bit to the right side. So anytime you EQ just the left side, you're also affecting things going on in the center. However, if you do side processing and you EQ the sides say 1K on both sides, you're not messing with the integrity of anything happening in the center. Well, isn't that also a problem? Why if there's something on the right side that I don't want to have, you know, EQ'd or compressed? You can run into that issue. But I find that more often than not, if there is, say, an acoustic guitar that has too much sparkle around 8 or 10K or needs more sparkle in that, those high frequencies of 8 or 10K, if I boost or cut 8 or 10K on both sides, chances are I'm going to affect that acoustic guitar, but there might not be anything else that is as present in that frequency range on the other side. So I'm not that worried about it. On one side, say we have an acoustic guitar, it's got too much or too little 8 to 10K, and the other side we have an organ or a keyboard, and it doesn't have that much going on in 8 to 10K. It's a slightly less bright sound. 
So if that acoustic guitar is too bright, I want to bring down some of the high frequency. It's not really messing with the high frequency on the other side because there's not that much of it there. And when you take a really bright instrument and take down you know, a couple dB of the high frequencies, it's going to have a more pronounced and profound effect on that bright instrument than it's going to have on an already dark instrument. Vice versa, you know, if I wanted to make that keyboard that's on the right side even brighter, boosting that with mid-side processing might be a bad idea. Because if I start boosting, you know, 10K by 2 or 3 or 4 dB on the right-hand side to try to get a little bit of extra sparkle out of that keyboard, man, I'm going to be messing up that acoustic guitar making it brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. So... In general, mid-side processing will work well if you have an element that is either on one side or ideally on both sides that needs control in one area. You do that to just the sides, and now you're leaving the mid alone, and you're not messing with the integrity of the mid-range. There's always trade-offs. Mid-side processing isn't going to be the best thing to use every time. And to tell you the truth, I don't use mid-size processing all the time, maybe on 20%, 30% of the tracks I do, I need that extra control. And I'm not getting it out of standard stereo-linked EQ or compression. And I'll say, you know, on this particular mix, I either need to bring some extra life out of the sides or control them more. Bring some extra life out of the center or control it more. I'll go to a mid-side processor. And if there's an imbalance between the two sides, sometimes I can help you know, cure that imbalance with mid-side processing, and sometimes I might have to do left-right processing. If you are using mid-side processing to try to correct for imbalances, I find that one of the best ways to do that is with something like a dynamic EQ or a multiband compressor. The best way for you to hear this stuff is I've given you the concept. Go ahead and apply it yourself. Play around with this stuff. And the best kind of thing to play around with this on is your own work and the work of your clients, particularly problem mixes. The worse the mix, the more potential you're going to find for using something like mid-side processing, like dynamic EQ, like multiband compression, and play around with it. Get some ideas that way. Now, can you use this approach in mixing and not just mastering, which is why I've been talking about? Yes, but chances are you're not going to need it nearly as often. With mid-side processing, what you're trying to do is give yourself additional extra control that you're not afforded by a stereo file that you're working with. You can potentially apply this in mixing, but in mixing, most of the time you have all the tracks broken out separately, so you don't really need to do mid-side processing. If your acoustic guitar is annoying, turn down your acoustic guitar, fix your acoustic guitar. Best yet, re-record it (laughs) so it's not annoying. So In general, when it comes to the mixing and recording stages, you're probably not going to use mid-side processing because you already have that control available. However, there are a few cases where you might be able to use it to nice effect. One that comes to mind are things like drum overheads, drum room mics, stereo pairs of microphones that were recorded together where you want to get a little bit of extra control and you say, man, I really love the sound that we have here. However, the hi-hat in the overheads is just a little bit too loud or the, you know, the hi-hat in the rooms is just a little bit, you know, too bright. So maybe I can do some mid-side processing. 
on just the sides where that hi-hat is, particularly say in overheads, maybe it's really far out to the side. Maybe I can do some mid-side processing there. Or for room mics, you might say, this sounds really good, but I wish it had a more solid center. Could I bring up or amp up the center, boost just the low end in the center of my room mic pair, bring out some more kick drum out of my room mics without bringing up the cymbals and all the other stuff on the sides? That's something that you could think about as well. Really, anytime you've recorded something in stereo and want just a little bit of extra control out of it, again, overheads and room mics, the biggest thing, but if you're recording a full ensemble together in a room or you have a pair of audience mics listening into the stage for a live recording, that kind of stuff, maybe there are some applications where you could use mid-side processing to bring out the vocal a little bit more out of a pair of mics that's capturing an entire ensemble by bringing up the mids or maybe just boosting the mids in the center and not the left and right. One thing that I hope that can become even more available in the future would be left-center-right processing. Wouldn't that be cool if you had the ability to mess around with the left and right and center channels separately from each other? Again, going to the science behind why that isn't as easy to do as mid-side processing or regular left-side processing is beyond the scope of this particular episode, but it would be fun to talk about someday. That said, I think there's some ingenious developers out there who might be able to hopefully someday in the future, make it more common for us to be able to break out a stereo source into multiple channels that we can affect more precisely. And it'd be really cool to be able to do left, center, right processing, breaking a stereo channel into three channels. But like I said, it's just a lot less feasible and easy to do than mid-side processing, which is why you see mid-side processing in so many more processors these days. But left, center, right processing is something that seems a little bit at least for today, more like science fiction. If you have thoughts or comments on that and the development side of it, and if you want to get in a conversation about the more technical aspects under the hood of this kind of processing, we can maybe talk about that in the comments down below if you're on YouTube, or feel free to shoot me an email at podcast at sonicscoop.com. I read everyone and respond when I can. But Better responses could be live Q&A responses. I would like to start doing weekly live Q&As. Are you down? Are you into this? I'm thinking about starting to do them every Friday. Would you like to join me for something like that? Let me know in the comments down below. We'll see if this is a popular idea. It'd be a way for me to answer a huge number of the questions that come in, give each one a little bit of love without making people wait weeks and weeks for me to do a podcast episode about their particular question. I really love hearing from you guys, and I really do read every single one of those comments. So I hope this episode has been useful for you. Was it useful for you? Let me know in the comments below. Give it a like, a thumbs up. And also, if you want even more depth on this type of processing and processing in general in the context of mastering, I've got something for you. It is called Mastering Demystified, my full-length premium course on mastering. I can't recommend it highly enough. It is my big brain dump on everything I know about mastering. Super useful. Check it out at masteringdemystified.com. Want something totally for free? Well, I've just recorded a new free workshop on mastering. It's called Mastering 101. Check it out, sonicscoop.com slash mastering101. That's sonicscoop.com slash mastering101. 
In it, I give you an overview of the essentials you need to know about mastering. And I'll give you some best practices and some takeaways that you can use immediately, whether you're looking to master your own tracks for yourself to get them competitively loud and hopefully beautiful sounding, and set you up so you can do great mastering work for others in the future, if that's what you're inclined to do, and just to get better mixes that you're going to get better masters out of. Check out that free workshop at sonicscoop.com slash mastering101. That's sonicscoop.com slash mastering101. If you want to work with me as a mastering engineer, that's the other big part of my work. Half of what I do is the whole Sonic Scoop thing. The other half is mastering records. If you want me to master records for you, check me out, justincoletti.com or at the Joe Lambert Mastering website. I still do all of my mastering through those guys. So check me out either of those places, justincoletti.com or jlmsound.com to book a mastering session with me personally, whether in person or remote. I got to tell you, I've been doing a lot of remote mastering for clients as far away as Argentina and Ireland. And I think I recently had one from Singapore, in addition to people from all around the United States, Canada, UK. So shoot me a line. You can always email me directly at podcast at sonicscoop.com. But if you want to get in contact about mastering, best places for that are justincoletti.com and jlmsound.com for Joe Lambert Mastering, where I do all of my mastering through those guys. And where I learned from one of my favorite mastering engineers in the business, Joe Lambert himself of Joe Lambert Mastering. Fantastic guy. Check him out one of these days. Easily among my top three mastering engineers ever and currently working today. Super cool, dude. And if you want to go over my head and work with Joe, that's totally fine. I'm absolutely humbled to be working with that guy and occasionally getting some glimpses of insight from him and his process. Thanks again for hanging out with me. This has been Justin Coletti of Sonic Scoop. See you next time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.